This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You guys have heard me talk about Red Door Grill for almost a year now on 610 Sports Radio, and they're the proud sponsor of the Bobcast. And I'll tell you what, I'm a proud eater at Red Door Grill. In fact, my family and I love going to Red Door Grill, not just on Mondays for burgers or Thursdays for fried chicken, but just about every single day of the week. Because every time we walk into a Red Door Grill location, we're walking out of there feeling satisfied, feeling great, and knowing we got some of the best food in Kansas City. $5 burgers on Monday is where the week starts. You're not going to find a better deal than that. The best burger in town for just $5. You want some fries, it'll cost you a buck more. And then on Thursday, we have the jalapeno dipped fried chicken. That fried chicken starts marinating on Monday. It marinates on Tuesday. It marinates on Wednesday. It's got the herbs and spices to get into that chicken. And then, boom, they flash fry it on Thursday to give you the best fried chicken that you'll ever have. And then, of course, happy hour every weekday, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6. That's where we cash in sometimes on Fridays as well. Enjoy those great drinks. Enjoy the great appetizer specials from 3 to 6 every single week weekday at Red Door Grill. And with three locations, there's one close to everybody. 159th and Antioch, 119th and uh, Row in Town Center Plaza in Leewood and Camelot Court. And of course, you can find the location in Brookside as well. It's Red Door Grill. By the end of the month, Kansas City will have a new mayor. And one of the folks running for mayor is Quinton Lucas. Quinton Lucas grew up in Kansas City, attended Barstow School, then went on to Wash U and even studied in South Africa. Quinton Lucas brings so much to the table when it comes to representing Kansas City. And he's on the ballot to become the next mayor of our town. Here's my latest conversation with mayoral candidate Quinton Lucas. All right, you're getting ready. It's going to get uh, here before we know it, the election for mayor of Kansas City. So in your opinion, what's the biggest issue facing Kansas City today? You know, we've talked about this before. To me, it continues to be, um, I usually say crime, but uh, I think it's bigger than that. It is how do we get young people, uh, particularly a lot of young folks who are in the inner city, uh, engaged and involved with, um, you know, going to school or getting jobs, being in the workforce, avoiding a life of crime. And so, you know, I think how we can mentor is one of the most important things that I could do as mayor. You know, it's, it, it's funny you bring that up, mentoring, because that's something that Dayton Moore is heavily involved with, with his C10 mentoring program. They mentor kids all year round throughout the school year and help them w- with that kind of stuff. And it seems like that's kind of the, I don't want to say the new thing, but but it seems like everybody wants to get involved with that because they realize if you can get kids young and teach them the right things at a young age, they can grow up and be productive members of our, our society. And quite honestly, Quentin, you're one of those guys that got out and did amazing things from a bad situation right. in which you were born to. Right. You know, and, and I've always been proud of that, of coming of coming back uh, to try to help out in my community. But you're so right. I mean, there are a ton of kids these days that either are being raised by a single mom or, or dealing with real adult issues from childhood. And my view is when you mentor 
you're creating great opportunities for them, but for a community. You know, the people that mentored me years ago, right? Look at the impact I'm getting to have now. And it grows organically, just kind of like you see things grow sometimes in a bad way. If somebody's picking up a gun and they're dealing with things the wrong way. I mean, this is something that's key for us. And I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned Dayton Moore because I've gotten to know him as a council person. He opened the Urban Youth Academy. The city did, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, a few years back. And just talk to them about life. Certainly the Royals have had their share of tragedies over recent years. And, uh, you know, I talked about how do you mentor young men, even if they, if they're doing great. You know, I know in Kansas City right now, a lot of chat around Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, my biggest view is, Mentoring is important for everybody, the most talented, the person who doesn't know where they're going, because it allows them to be ready for some of life's challenges, hearing from somebody else, you know, how you get through it. Well, what was it like for you? I mean, you grew up, you don't even know who your dad was, never had an opportunity to meet him, and yet you ended up at Barstow, Wash U, studying overseas. I mean, like, you were able to not use what was going on in your life of, you know, studying in bathrooms and hotel rooms and things like that as a crutch. You used that to kind of break free to get to where you are. How did you take what you had and turn it into what you have right now? You know, I think one of the things, and I talk to people about this all the time, it gave me an incredible passion in why I was doing what I was doing. You know, I realized how hard I had worked at each step of the way um, to get somewhere. And so it was my view that I owe it to, you know, there's not really even others. I owe it to myself um, to believe in myself, to challenge myself, to keep pushing. And that's not to say, you know, there haven't been, you know, uh, setbacks in life. We all have them. But uh, my thing has been, you know, once you're able to deal with certain situations, you realize, you know, it ain't that deep. I mean, I was studying in a bathroom of a motel room when we were homeless, two sisters and my mother sleeping in the main little room area, and I'm writing an essay for a project at Barstow, right? I mean, that's weird. I'm a homeless kid at this very expensive private school in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's helped me both persevere, but the other thing is it's helped me relate to people. I mean, you're a sports guy, so I love this. When I first went there, uh, I wasn't a big sports family, and I remember the Bills were playing the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to make up who's going to win. He was like, well, who's going to win, and who are you rooting for or something? I'm like, the Bills. I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then I lost badly. But that kind of was one of those things where I was like, all right, where can I find commonality? Sometimes it was sports and talking about that. Other times as I got older, it was my own participation in things. And I think, frankly, a good politician, a good public servant is somebody who knows how to talk, frankly, the same way they would if they're on the east side of Kansas City or if they're in Clinton, Missouri, or if they're you know anywhere in between. And I think that makes good coaches, good public servants, good teachers. And that's what I've always tried to be. All right. So let's look at how you got to Barstow because I'm I'm really interested in your backstory. The more that I kept reading and, and, you know, researching, if you will, about who you are as a person, the more intrigued I became because you're an anomaly. Let's just call it what it is. You you, you grow up homeless. You're not supposed to end up at Barstow School. And how did that happen? How did you go from being homeless to ending up there and valuing an education? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the the craziest story. Um, Born and raised here in Kansas City. Uh, My mom... You know, she was hustling, struggling. Had I have two older sisters. And then, uh, actually, along the way, uh, my uncle, who was kind of the one in the family with his life together, is stationed at McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you all should move down to, like, south-central Kansas. It's it's not as troubled as Kansas City of the mid-1980s was. And if you think about it, crack epidemic, a lot of violent crime then. So my mother says, yeah. So we move out to Hutchinson, Kansas. 
that's where I start school. Uh, I grow up, you know, knowing about the 4-H club, the Boy Scouts, and thinking that K-State sports were like the world's greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And for some, I know they are. Um, and then I, uh, after a while, and it's weird because now I am older than she was at that point. I think she said, you know, this isn't for me. We moved back to KC. My two oldest sisters start back the Kansas City, Missouri School District, which was, was the height of DSEG at the time. The schools were, were broken in a lot of ways. Um, and I think she said, well, for my youngest child, particularly because I had only gone to this rural schooling environment, not rural, it's big for that part of Kansas, but nevertheless, just sure. different. Yeah. Um, you know, and so my dentist, she was talking to, and she said, I don't know where to send my son. And he said, well, my, you know, f- kids or either my friend's kids go to this Barstow. And I still remember going out there because I had to do like an interview and a test. And I remember like sitting in on a class and they had like a Shakespeare summer camp for kids. I was like, I don't know what the hell Shakespeare is. Mm -hmm. Um, But ended up out there through a lot of different struggle. I mean, the thing that was amazing to me was this was before 71 Highway was done. We always lived in the east side, sometimes in the northern kind of part of the inner city. So like we'd be leaving 41st in Indiana. She'd go to 115th and State Line, then drive back downtown, then drive back, pick me up and do all that sort of stuff. I mean, it was... It was amazing, frankly. I mean, I marvel at her. I marvel at parents who do that sort of thing. But I think what she saw was how much of a difference education could be. You know, she got pregnant right after she graduated from Southeast High School, and she was going to go to Creighton, of all places. She's told me this years later. And one of the older ladies of her life said, well, honey, you're having a child. You can't go to college. And so she didn't. And I think she always kind of saw that as a difference maker and what she could do in life, the money she could make, what she could do for her family. And she was making sure that wasn't going to be the case for me. And then you just picked up the ball and ran with it and had a good career at Barstow yeah, and then yeah. on to like one of the most prestigious schools in the Midwest, if not the, uh, the yeah. country, and, yeah. and wash you. And then, you know, went on from there to go over to you know, yeah. South Africa and, right. and, and do all that kind of stuff. So with all of the education background that you have, how, as mayor, do you start to fix the school district of KC mm-hmm. Mo? So it's a place where, you know, we used to live in Brookside. I got two kids. We had to move over to the Kansas side of the right. state line because of that. And it's forcing families out of the city. How do you, with a guy who's got such a huge background in education and a value right. of that, fix these schools so people can move back into the city? Yeah. You know, the uh, interesting thing, by the way, about Barstow, uh, a guy who was a year behind me and a very good friend of mine still is, was Nick Wright. Um, who was by far the most annoying fifth grader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then as, as his career, uh, rose, I was like, that's exactly the guy I remember. But yeah. <laughs> nevertheless, um, nah, he's, he's done well. We're proud of him. But, um, in terms of what we do, uh, for education in Kansas City, I think step one is we need to reinvest in our neighborhood elementary schools. Uh, I think, frankly, you know, there are a few. That are good opportunities for people. I hear good things about Border Star, mm-hmm. for example, in Brookside. Uh, there are more folks that are using some of the charter school systems, et cetera. I think every neighborhood really needs that sort of ground up focus. And I'll be honest and transparent of what I'm saying. I think we need to improve it as we go up in grade levels. We're not going to change all the high schools tomorrow. But what we can do is make sure the kids are getting those really foundational basics. And frankly, I think if you have a good neighborhood school, then parents are saying, all right, this is a reason, yeah, I can stick around. This is a place I want to invest in. This is a place where like kids know the neighborhood and the community. And so I think that's a step one. I think step two uh, continues to be what can we do? And this is what I see I can do as mayor. And, and Sly James, our current mayor, kind of, you know, got, took a, a hit on this uh, pre-K sales tax he put on the ballot. And it failed two to one. 
And I think a big part of the reason was because every public school district was opposed to it because they were saying, you know, let us be the classroom people. Why don't you be the people that make sure there's affordable housing in our city, that there's good public transportation, and that, frankly, every child's life from 3 o'clock in the afternoon when they're out till 7.30 or 8 a.m. the next day is the best and safest life they can be. Because, you know, we'll continue to have issues in Kansas City, Missouri, if half of the school district lives in very violent places, Mm -hmm. even if there's another half that doesn't. We're going to continue to have issues if the parents are, you know, forced to move all the time because of whatever issues. And so I think, you know, I mentioned mentoring all that before. Education is that key factor in Kansas City that will keep holding us back. Um, and I think unless and until we actually make real changes on that neighborhood schooling, making sure we have better accountability and making sure that more men like you and me are, are creating opportunities for mentoring. You know, I think those are the things that are making the difference for us. Well, and I think also too, you, you mentioned the crime and, and that's forced people obviously oh, out. I mean, we had a bloody naked man on our front door in Brookside bashing his head through windows up the street. He was on drugs. It was one of the most unbelievable things. And when you walk out the door at four o'clock to go to work, and there's a naked man standing there, bloody to just put his head through your window. It's very scary. Now, look, he was 28 years old, had himself a bad trip that night, came back and apologized the next day, but that's a very scary moment. Right. So that's something that I experienced living right. in, in the Brookside area. Yeah. So crime is huge in this yeah, town is. right now. I mean, it's really, really bad. It, throughout the Midwest, it's really it bad. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. You know, a few different things. Uh, the first is, you know, look, I'm not a, I've gone shooting. I'm not a huge gun guy, but at the same time, I'm not somebody who's going to be like, Oh, Jefferson City or Topeka needs to change their view on gun laws tomorrow because they're not going to. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court's not going to change their view on guns. So what can we do to make it so people, particularly young people, have opportunities that don't require them to pick up a firearm? You know, I recently went to Southeast High School and worked uh, or met with a group that's working on conflict resolution, for example, so that kids from their teen years, and hopefully even earlier, are learning, hey, when I get angry, it's not a story of I'm going to go and, and beat the tar out of somebody or now shoot them. Instead, I'm going to make sure that like I'm actually taking a chance to really um, process it myself. You know, I once met a judge uh, who told me the difference between when he sentences people, he says this, the difference between why I'm sitting up here and you're sitting down there or standing down there is about 15 seconds of patience, right? All of us have been frustrated in our lives. But hopefully most of us have not decided to raise our our hands in anger or to pick up a firearm and shoot it at somebody or do that sort of thing. I think working on that, working on our long-term mental health issues in this city. You know, the biggest mental health institution in Kansas City is the Jackson County Jail. I mean, you've got people that are dealing with long-term trauma. And I'll say this, too. Um, You know, I read Ryan Lefebvre's book, I believe, on it some years ago, Mm -hmm. um, relating to mental illness and addressing long-term issues. You know, I uh, have read some of uh, Vahi Gregorian's work in The Star. It was kind of talking about how Tyreek Hill grew up, right? Corporal punishment, that sort of thing. And again, not, not saying anything about that situation necessarily, but if we can find a way to intervene in cycles, right? If we can find a way and tell people that there's a different way to express your anger, there's a different way to address issues, and it doesn't require you to shoot a gun at somebody, then I think that gets us a long way, even if guns are around. Because if we banned them tomorrow, there'd still be a ton around. Sure. And, and you, you go back, I, I think a lot of it does go back to that whole mentoring thing that we kind of started talking about at the beginning, if we can reach kids at a young age. But right. you can mentor as many kids as I want. I can yeah. do the same. Everybody listening who's got a, an opportunity to mentor somebody can do it. But 
kids have to want to be mentored and have to sure. be brought to these places. How do we get that? How do we get the the whole involvement mm-hmm. and realize that hey, we're a city that needs to help everybody. We just can't be you know worried about our own little homes. We have to worry about everything if we want Kansas City to be the best place possible. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the first thing we need to do is, and I I know everybody listening lives in different places. Mm -hmm. We need to just remove the lines, right? I agree. I mean, there there is not a difference between our two states, right? Truce quarter. I mean, it's just kind of like, and I hate it sometimes because we have all these jurisdictions Mm -hmm. and we play in politician land about like what's what and all that sort of stuff. Whereas, frankly, you know, Hey, a kid who's in trouble has an impact on our ecosystem everywhere, right? You can be somebody who lives in Prairie Village who gets held up either in Kansas or Missouri. Uh, you can be somebody who finds great opportunities and you're from the poorest neighborhood in the city. So, you know, for me, kind of the way we really reach these people, it's why I've always actually loved sports. I'm, I am not great at anything. I, I qualified for the Missouri State track and field competition in high school. Mm-hmm. I came in 23rd in the 200-meter dash. Which out of made, how many? You know, out of 24. Oh, okay. So, that's not so, bad. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I was the 23rd best in Missouri, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's how you, that's how you spin it. It turned out, you, you lived in St. Louis for a while. Just yeah, brief digression. I was like there, all these kids from like St. Louis Fashan High School. And like, I mean, they were men running against us boys. And so I just got smoked by all of them. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think... To the extent we can sponsor more in the youth activity realm, that's why like the Urban Youth Baseball Academy is a great opportunity. Recognizing, yeah, a lot of kids aren't playing baseball, sure. But at the least, it gets you accountability. It gets you organization. People like to do stuff. You go to any pickup basketball court, not just in the inner city, but almost anywhere in Kansas City, and you see it full on a summer day. Mm-hmm. I want us to find a way to you know, say, all right, hey, with that, can we get you in an organized league? Can the city help you out and pay for these rec leagues, right? And if you're somebody who's into music, performance, rapping, who knows? Like, how do we create more consistency? Because one of the biggest things, it sounds like my grandma now or something, you know, Idle Minds are the devil's playground. We have so many folks and kids that get out of school and there's TV, there's hanging out, there's like nothing trying to stimulate them. And so my view is, what can we do, and I'd like to change that, to make sure we are doing more, to invest in things like under Mayor Cleaver, we had Mayor's Night Hoops. I mean, just more activities, more engagement to give them a different way. Yeah, and, and I think obviously that that's a, a good idea. And you mentioned the, the dividing lines. We've got truce, we've got the river, we've got state line, yeah. we've got so many different lines of demarcation in this region. I've always advocated, and people think I'm nuts because it'll never happen, but just making this a district, taking Wyandotte, right. taking Johnson County, taking Jackson, taking Cass County, taking mm-hmm. you know all, all the, the major counties of this region and just calling it the District of Kansas City because folks in Kansas don't trust the people in Missouri. People right. in Missouri hate the, the folks in Kansas. And it's just there's so much infighting that goes on. Instead of doing what's best for the entire region, we worry about in Kansas. Well, how's this going to help Kansas? And people in Missouri go, right. well, how's this going to help Missouri? How do we how do we get past that? I mean, and, and I don't know if we can. I don't know if anybody has the answer to that. Right. Know? I mean, I think to me, the big idea is a very simple one, which is uh, to start doing more stuff that relates to, you know, meeting with other folks. So one of the things I'm proud of, long before I was running for mayor, I went to Overland Park and met with the very tall Mayor Carl Gerlock. 
And uh, I was just kind of talking about, hey, man, the Metcalf corridor is aging. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there are some similarities we have when I think about, you know, any aging Warnell in Kansas City. Now, frankly. Warnell and Metcalf are the two worst streets in the region, and they're <laughs> yes. both identical to each right. other. Cell phone stores, pager shops, <laughs> right. vape shops, right. you know, just they're, every time I drive by down one, I think of the other. They're exactly. mirror images. Of and it's other. like, you know, what answers do you have that we can take and what answers do we have that you can yeah. take? Or, you know, people always talk to me, what are your first stops going to be? if you're elected i'll certainly call kansas city police department the schools so many others the governor of missouri who's a great guy but also i'll talk to governor laura kelly of kansas or whoever else is there in the future because it's kind of this thing of yeah this is this really is just one region and frankly we're the economic engine certainly for sure. the state of kansas uh and i kind of think you know we've got our act together for the state of missouri too and so it's like what can we do to make this a bigger bolder place i know we have our kumu battles sometimes but but you know i work at ku and i often see like ku as an opportunity to be a great university for our uh region so you know that's that's the sort of thing that i want to do more of and build more of well and and i also think when when we talk about the region and doing what's best for the region it does involve stuff like that and i've never heard somebody on the missouri side say well i'm going to call the governor of kansas or i'm going to call the you know the mayor of overland park to figure out what we can do and how we can work out things together as opposed to stealing somebody's business and claim victory on the other side of the state line which i'm glad you know governor parson friend of the show has has decided that we're not rewarding that crap anymore okay that's bullshit we're not doing that anymore we're not going to reward all of that nonsense we're going to focus on you know getting somebody from indianapolis exactly. here or chicago here you know exactly you know it's a weird space and thing to describe but i um for example uh used to teach at the lansing correctional facility in mm-hmm. northeast kansas um and it was so interesting because believe it or not with inmates you get so much like reality and truth and from that um you know, i talked to the guys and i'd be like hey where are you from and some were from kck some from casey mo guy from wichita they need it the same stuff. All of them are saying, yeah, I'm going to get out, and uh, I want to be able to do something, or I want to be able to find a job. And there were certainly no state lines or jurisdictional lines in jail. No, right. right? It was yeah. just kind of like they were a bunch of fellas that were looking for opportunity and to see what's up. And so I think when it's schooling, when it's crime, if it's incarceration, if it's health services, mental health, we need to do a heck of a lot more work to say, yeah, how are we coming up with solutions to these problems instead of thinking of divisions of them? Can you believe we're 20 minutes into this and I have not asked you about downtown Kansas City? Oh, yet? man. I mean, is, 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 is that refreshing? Like the, the, the first go-to? So what are you going to do to fix downtown? I mean, like, obviously downtown is the heartbeat and yeah. everything's going well. And I sat with Kay Barnes on this podcast I mean, a couple of months ago yeah. and, and, and talked about it because it's, it's her vision. I mean, without her, we probably don't have downtown where it is today. But there obviously is still more to do to continue yeah. that momentum. And you don't want to say, well, downtown fixed and move on exactly. and totally forget about it so what's the next big project like we've got the convention center hotel we've got you know the airport done there a lot of talk about the new downtown baseball stadium that yeah. could be here in the next day so what do you think is the next big kind of economic driver right. for downtown you know so bob first of all i know uh you were here before the sprint center right sure i, I think i remember listening mm-hmm. to you back then yeah. and uh it is crazy how hard that kind of was. Oh, it was ridiculous. I mean, I remember getting in almost fist fights down on yeah. the plaza with people. Like, yeah. You know, it was crazy. You know, I mean, I think the first big step is we need to see ourselves as bigger than what we are sometimes. Yes. You know, I think in Kansas City, we just get so used to saying, well, what's wrong with, you know, what I've got? My, my niche is just right. 
And it's like, no, we can grow. We can walk and chew gum. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm running for mayor in many ways because I think we can be a city that both uh, is building cool, big stuff, right, but is also taking care of basics. And there's no reason you can't do both. Other American cities do it. So in terms of the next big project to come along the line, um, it needs to be a conversation, I think, about downtown baseball, you know, with a few qualifiers of how kind of the world has changed now. We're going to have to look at a funding model that is not just, you know, a sales tax in one county, mm-hmm. right? We can't do that anymore. I'd love to see the bi-state tax come back, you know, for that. I know the Chiefs and Royals tried it in 04. I believe that was unsuccessful. Then they did the county tax two years later. But, um, you know, I think that's one. I think what I'd like to see is a num- we need a little more commercial office development downtown, too. I'd like to see another tower or two and big ones that actually match and, and change our skyline because we need to continue to build jobs down there. You still need it to have a focus, but I would say it's kind of those two areas. You know, we've done a lot in building residential downtown, which mm-hmm. is a good thing and sure. walkability. Um, just imagine the change you will get with a baseball game. I mean, I'm, I was born in 1984. And so, most, so you remember 1985 like it was yesterday, <laughs> right? 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 <laughs> so almost my entire life, the Royals have, been terrible right right? like i came of age knowing buck night back when like it was really close to that and right going to a royals date because it was the cheapest possible date this was cheaper than the movies Mm -hmm. right and so the amazing thing even then though was that even if you got nine ten twelve thousand people sometimes at the stadium a terrible night imagine all that downtown every summer night yeah right or a lot of summer nights. I mean, it's just this amazing change. I think we need to do it. Frankly, baseball has kept some downtowns alive, St. Louis. Sure. Right? And so that's... Oh, without a, baseball, that's a, that's a ghost nothing. town. It's done. It's nothing. It's done. Right. History. Gone. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a train stop, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then everybody else is in Clayton. Right. I mean, it is just something. So I think that's the next thing we need to do. We need to talk about it in a bi-state way. Um, I'd frankly like to see more of that. I also have an interest in the riverfront. Um, now is a time where you see some of the challenges with it because flooding. Uh, but other cities, you know, we, we just built a big apartment project on the riverfront and it kind of angers me because I always wanted that to be where a downtown baseball stadium would go because right. I thought it was just awesome. But, uh, we'll figure it out. Where would you like to see a downtown baseball stadium? You know, now? at this point, um, if I look around at the space that we have, kind of the east side of downtown, believe it or not, the east side of City Hall, You've got a lot of surface parking lots. You just got a lot of mm-hmm. excess there. Uh, I think you wouldn't have the same acquisition types of costs that you would see in other areas. And I think it fits. And I think you could really stimulate and channel some more districts. It, it'll be a little bit, it won't be that far of a walk from Power and Light. Right. But frankly, you know, I think it gets in that same world. You know, I've heard some people talk about Washington Square Park, which is near Crown Center. Right. I don't know how you fit that in. Um, you know, I think that would just be a really tight squeeze. But, you know, there is cool. Every now and then people talk about the West Bottoms, too. I feel like with Kemper well, Arena. Why, build a, why exactly. build a new stadium if we're going down there? That's, right, that's a right. dumb idea. We've tried that. Yeah. And I remember going to the Big A tournament when I was younger, and it's like it was, you know, it was interesting, but yeah. West Bottoms ain't a great place to, no. you know, go to a gigantic event with parking problems. Well, and I think also, too, when, when you talk about the east side of town, that kind of leads me into my next, yeah. you know, conversation of if we could do that, and you mentioned walking distance to power and light, then that gives you the obvious opportunity to expand the streetcar line that exactly. way. And, and, and really, not only just expand the streetcar line that way for baseball purposes, but also for people who live there that need to get downtown. Right. Like, uh, you, you know, the, the streetcar is wonderful and I love it, but it's 
it's it's it's like a streetcar to nowhere right now. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like it's cool to ride. The kids love it. I grew up outside of New York City. I grew uh, up with mass transit. I love the opportunity of just getting on a train and taking it into the city. Right. I remember when I first went to KU, my mother goes, well, why don't you just get on the train and go into the city? I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Like that, that doesn't exist out here. So I've always wanted to have the opportunity to utilize some sort of form of mass transit. And, and the streetcar is a great start. How do we expand now? What's your vision for expansion? Yeah, that's right. I mean, and you're from New Jersey, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it is interesting that you open up so many opportunities in the world with uh, good fixed rail transit around the city. Um, You know, my biggest goal, my my dream one would be to use some of these abandoned rail lines and really make sure that we're actually building up transit throughout the whole metro again. Mm-hmm. There is no real, as a guy who has to drive to Lawrence or is blessed to drive to Lawrence for work, right? How much better would it be if I could, you know, get that 45 minutes back, read a paper, you know, the star would love that, mm-hmm. or, you know, be able to do all types of other stuff on a rail line and all of them exist. So, I mean, I think there's a mix. Combo one is let's expand light rail, I'm sorry, streetcar in areas where like it actually is doing east-west. We don't have enough east-west good stuff in Kansas City. Right. The max bus lines are north-south. The streetcar north-south, right? There's just a lot of that. I think the step two after we're looking at good east-west routes for uh, streetcar is to actually have a conversation again about how do we use some of these abandoned rail lines. I mean, if you, if you take I-35 almost any time now, Right? Like, I get my car repaired off 75th and I-35. It's awful, right? Mm-hmm. It's awful from, like, 3 p.m. till 6.30. 4.35 right. is becoming a, oh a disaster God. area, too. Right. I mean, I think folks in Kansas, folks from the Northland, so many others would love to be able to, from Independence, right, would love the opportunity to get into the city. And then the other thing that would be great for Casey Moe as part of that is we'd be the center crossroads of it all, right? I mean, mm-hmm. everything would connect downtown. That's that's kind of the really next generation conversation we need to have because I think to be a great city you really do need good transit connections. You do, and and that's something that you know has been talked about for seemingly twenty yeah. years, and we don't see, we don't get anywhere on this one. And right. say you win, you get reelected, you got your eight years as yeah. mayor. The next person is probably going to be talking about the same thing of expanding that streetcar, trying to go. So how do we move that into fast forward and say we're doing this? I want to say almost like Kay Barnes just did downtown. Like how do we do something like she did to get this streetcar, to get the mass transit that we properly need for this city? You know, you don't take no for an answer. I mean, you and I'm not... They're going to say like, oh, Lucas is going to be like the new Stalinist mayor. Um, No, I think the way you do it is to, you know, you listen to people, you hear them out, but you also just have to keep hitting, no, why is this important? You know, how is this good? And then the other things you have to do, which we eventually did on the airport, although it took us some time, Mm -hmm. which is you got to sell it to how is this helpful for everybody? Um, How does this really make a difference for an entire community? And I think, you know, you're going to have that conversation ultimately with baseball. You're going to have that conversation with light rail. Because there are going to be a lot of people that say, well, it's not coming to me, and I don't like it, and what is this all about? I mean, our conversation about transit actually kind of took a slowdown, because during Cleaver's time as mayor, um, you know, they proposed a line just to the plaza, and he called it touristy frou-frou. And perhaps the line that was described was. But, I mean, now we've done the at least you got to start somewhere approach. And so for me, the longer-term view is going to be, all right, so with with that... Now we need to see, okay, this is how we're going to connect people. Frankly, I think it's telling people this is just the beginning of the line and we have a different route and having us maybe even vote on what the long-term route is. So the person, if we're on a bi-state tax, right, who's sitting in Olathe, who's like, that means nothing to me, can see, okay, well, you know, this creates opportunities along the line. 
or the guy in independence or the guy in liberty or something like that. I mean, that's what we have to do long term. How do you feel about just doing things and not asking the voters? Because when we seemingly yeah. ask the voters, <laughs> it turns into, well, this is, and you hear just the negative side of things. You hear so much negativity from people who don't want it. You never hear from the people that do want it because they got nothing to say. Because right. right, that sounds good, like a good idea right. to me. When you hate something, you complain, and that seems to always dominate, which in turn frustrates me. So I'm doing it from a little <laughs> personal thing. How do we get something like that, like the stadium, like you know, we've already done the airport, but how do we get these major projects where we as a region just say, this is what's happening and this is what we're doing. You're either on board or yeah. sorry, we're going to pass you by. Yeah, this is uh, this is where we've had some great mayors, right? H. Row Bartle. Right, right, being impactful on how can we build the stadiums and all of that. And the fact that, you know, they're controlled by the county is a bit of a, like an historical accident because really it was Casey Moe that was like, we need to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, creating the land acquisition and clearance to do it. Um, Kay Barnes, we talked about with downtown. Sly will get uh, our airport expansion. Frankly, Bartle and others before him really looking at the airport, right, where it is now and saying mm-hmm. we need to have a bigger one than downtown. Um, so I think a big part of it is you need to just say, look, we're doing it. And I'm going to stake my career on it. To be able to have that latitude, you all, that's why I talk about the basics, right? Because you have to stake your, you have to also say, yeah, I'm taking care of violent crime, like taking care of violent crime and education, really being safe. I mean, it's the basics of life. You want your kid to have a good life. And what does that mean? They're well educated and they're not getting shot, mm-hmm. right? Those two real basics. And I say from step one, I'm going to do that. But as part of that, we also need to make sure we have a city that's working. And for me, what that means is, you know, hey, we're growing, we're building, and all of that. Where Mark Funkhauser, for example, ran into problems, where lots of leaders do, is he was like, hey, I'm going to balance the budget, and we're not going to have uh, steel plates on the roads anymore, mm-hmm. which was enough to get him elected mayor. But people kind of say, you know, I want more. It's like you can't, you know, you can't get, convince a woman to marry you if you just say, well, I'll, you know, I'll feed you every day. Right. You know? I did. <laughs> Hell of a lot more. <laughs> yeah, or for me, I don't know. My, my wife can't cook, so she was oh, really? thrilled to find somebody who could do that. Um, I saw a quote, heard a quote maybe from you, the best economic development is a city connected. And, and we're talking yeah. about that right now. And so we're talking about connecting the city. We're talking about connecting Johnson County into Kansas City. Yeah. Is that the biggest area that we need to connect into Kansas City is Johnson County, or do we need to even just focus on the east side of Kansas yeah. City being connected into into downtown in Kansas City? You know, um, so right now, the, the amazing thing about the east side, I say this as somebody who grew up there, continues to live there, came back there, is that it is so convenient to everything, right? I mean, you you follow me on Twitter, for better or mm-hmm. worse, and uh, every now and then, right, I'll, I'll tweet about how I like... I've I've run from 18th and Vine to Arrowhead Stadium for Chiefs games, and now because I'm I'm lazier and heavier, uh, I've I scooter right from there to there. How far is that? Seven miles. That's not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. No, right. It's, but then I, you're sitting through a game all sweaty. You know? Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's the weird part. But yeah. I went to a cold enough game. Yeah. But like the scooter, for example. I mean, it took me 40 minutes, which if you go late enough to a Chiefs game, is actually much longer time, and you're just sitting in traffic. Yeah. How much did the Chiefs ding you for parking that scooter out oh, there? Oh man, I just <laughs> and just kind of did my nerd through thing. Yeah. It was perfect. But uh, and it's very close to downtown, much closer. I mean, I think the East Side is untapped economic potential, and if you think about. I mean, if you're from the New York area, you think about how folks were finally saying, wait a second, 
invest in the you know the boroughs right and that's why brooklyn is awesome now mm-hmm. right that's why you've got almost all of harlem unaffordable now. i mean it's just this sort of thing that yeah it makes sense to invest nearby and in the core because i think families and people generally want walkability right want accessibility don't want to have to sit in a long trip so that means that we have to make it safe and we have to you know make sure the schools are good in terms of you know i would probably say one and two one is east side second is making sure that johnson county which has a ton of people, right, um, and is an economic engine in its own right, I think is making sure that, yeah, it does stay connected to the city. Because what's better for Kansas City long term, I know they're always planning to build all these little stadiums and arenas out in Johnson County, which, you know, cool. Right. But for me, the long term, like, positive is if we are just saying we are this great, you know, kind of badass place that has real growth and everybody is saying, yeah, I'm proud to live in Kansas City and we have a strong core. Right. Like, I live in Johnson County, but, like, my focus isn't on Johnson County. I right. live in Johnson County because I have kids. My right. my heart is in Kansas City, Missouri, and making right. that the best it can be because I know how important Kansas City, Missouri is to the entire region. Without Kansas City, Missouri, we don't have exactly. Johnson County. And somewhere along the lines, that all got blurred. You, you mentioned the bi-state tax for baseball. Yeah. How do you get the people in Johnson County to trust the people in Missouri to right. pass this tax? Good point. Thank you know, you. Um, Union Station is slash was a good guide, although it had its years as issues. Because mm-hmm. we did a bi-state to pass it, then we do the renovations, and there's like no idea for what we do for a few years. Right. And now, all these years later, we figured out, oh, my God, it's this great space right. that we can use socially, culturally, all that. Um, you know, I think step one, we need to get our governance house in order. Uh, I, I found the airport process to be an embarrassment. Oh, it was terrible. In lots of ways. I mean, it's just uh, bad. Embarrassing. It's bad. I don't, you know, and I'm, I've been in tons of debates about it, and people say, well, at least it got done. No, that's bad, right? Um, we can't have things like that. We can't have things like a Kansas City school district that's in disarray. Uh, as we did in the 90s, right? Because that's what people in Johnson County say. You can't even fix your schools. Right. You're going to let us give money to fix a stadium or exactly. whatever the case right. It's going to be part of all of these negative things and right. all that. So, I mean, I think, you know, my view is, one, we got to get our ship right. And that's probably why we're not looking at a buy state for a baseball stadium or anything like that in my first term. So not before 2023. Although, I forget when the contracts are up, 2030 or right, something? Right, 2030, yeah. yeah. So, Faster than you think. Right, you exactly. know, like people think 2030. But you know what? It's I think it's... Less time between now and when those contracts expire than it was when we had the vote back in 06 from the time yeah, the contracts would expire or something like, you know? <laughs> Where did the years go? Right. But, um, you know, I think, so my thing is going to be us getting our governance ship right as a step one, handling big projects and doing them well. And then the second is kind of the governance model you think of once you, you get a bi-state. Um, I, I would prefer they be people that kind of come up from local signs, almost like, let's pick the mayor of the largest city in Johnson County, Overland Park, you know, and maybe the mayor of KCK and the mayor of KC Moe, and, and we have a triumvirate that is making decisions on things, and technically the Kansans outnumber us. I don't know if that's, you know, the best idea. Independence has a bunch of people, too. Maybe mm-hmm. throw them in. Um, you know, I don't, when, during, during the airport saga, people were saying, well, let's create a bi-state commission and have, like, appointments by the governors. At the time, I didn't like either governor of Missouri or Kansas. Um, I like Governor Parson, a fellow chief season ticket holder, is a guy I like. But, um, you know, I think what we need to do is just make sure we've got good people we can trust and not be as possessive about the money. Yeah. Because if, if my jam is I want a downtown baseball stadium, I should, if I'm mayor of Kansas City, Missouri, be happy with that, even if 
there's a guy from Johnson County who's like the top commissioner on it. I don't think that people in government need to stop feeling threatened. Yep. We will all get our, our you know our piece of the pie. And then that's why I said we got to get rid of that state line and that's just right. make this a big district because people, well, that's not my state. Like, uh, really, right. we're talking about the region. Like, if, if you don't have a vision, like if you live in Johnson County and you're so focused on what's going on at 119th and Metcalf, right. you're missing the boat, man. You're missing exactly the boat right. big time. Exactly right. And your kids aren't going to want to come back here. Right. And like, there are going to be any number of things. I mean, and then as, and we've seen this because suburbs age, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be a thing of, yeah, how are we, how are we rejuvenating our city all the time? How do we rejuvenate our suburbs? That's mm-hmm. an issue for us. All right. We've talked about a lot. And, and the one thing that I, I was really interested in, in asking you, and, and I don't know why it makes me kind of giggle or you went to wash you and, yeah. and, you know, my feelings for St. Louis are very well known. But what's <laughs> the one thing that St. Louis has that Kansas City needs and you want to bring here? Oh my God. Uh, I get in trouble anytime I speak positively of St. Louis. There are two. Okay. Um, there are several, at least two. Great universities within St. Louis. Yeah. And it makes a world of difference. Huge. I mean, just outstanding universities. Yep. And that, I think, kind of keeps that city afloat. Um, and then the other is public transit. Um, they've invested in better public transit. Now, mind you, not necessarily well, but actually, I'll, I'll push transit back because we've talked about it. I care about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I think having Wash U and SLU in the city of St. Louis Huge. makes a world of difference. I, I agree totally with you because we lived in the city in the Central West End when we were there for yeah. three years. And you're right, man. Like without SLU and Wash U, like our, our condo, we could never have rented it. We right. had so many students that are there, right. but just the, it, it brings up the education level of everybody and provides great jobs for people and their, and their world class institutions and the trickle down effect from the Absolutely. hospitals and everything that they have there to help people in the city. It's, it's a big time deal. Absolutely. You're right. As you know, Bob, I'm, I'm bad at crazy takes. I mean, one of my yeah. big takes that I always try to do with the law school is say that we should just, KU Edwards campus, it has its point, but I would love for KU, I don't even know if there's the land around the Med Center campus in KCK, to put even more like professional school stuff, all that sort of stuff. I want to build up more of a University of Kansas presence. Clearly, that would be in Kansas City, Kansas, mm-hmm. but I think like something like that where we're saying, hey, planted even more of a flag is key to the entire region and would help us a ton. What'd you learn being in South Africa? Oh, my God. Everything. I mean, it was, uh, I say this to anybody who has a chance to go. If you want to just be totally superficial and self-absorbed and hang out on beaches and have great dinners, you've got that. If you want to see animals, like in habitats and all of that, you see that. But my, my pitch was like, if you want to see cultures and cultures that are really dealing with things and see how they're doing it and how they're perhaps not doing it well, then that's why going there. I mean, it was fascinating. I was studying abroad there. All those children were born during the apartheid era. Mm-hmm. So all of my college classmates grew up in segregated lifestyles, largely. Um, and I hear stories from my mom, who was born at a segregated hospital in Kansas City, and that sort of thing. And so it was just interesting for me seeing, all right, how do you deal with it? And how do you do it well? And how do you do it not well? And, you know, I somebody was asking me t- today, uh, what would you do if you lost? Um, and I said, instead of just, you know, I don't know, driving around for a while and thinking about the world and life. Uh, heck, I'd spend some time there again and just try to learn from that environment uh, because it was cool. What would be your perfect Kansas City meal? Kansas City meal? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And there are a lot of good ones. Um, like if you're mayor, you can like just start calling places and yeah, say, I need this in. from here, I need that from here, this from there. Right. What so do I don't got? know if he's a sponsor, but, you know, Mike Garozo would want me to say that, uh, you know, come into Garozo's and the Spadini. Uh, but 
Uh, and that's an imitation of him, which uh-huh. is uh, just like that. Um, Nailed it. No, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's barbecue, though, man. And to tell you, if you want the sob Quentin Lucas stories, yeah. I live down the street from Arthur Bryant's. And when I first moved back to town, uh, 09, uh, and so I got back fall of 09, I immediately started dating a girl. It was going great. Then she dumped me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I like was hanging out with her a lot and didn't have that many friends when I first moved back. Every Sunday, I would go to Arthur Bryant's, get a gigantic sandwich, come back, watch the Herm Edwards Chiefs. Oh, boy. I you believe, put yourself through hell back oh, then. Oh, my God. We, I believe we went 2-14. and 14. Mm-hmm. Um, we, And then I would fall asleep because both the barbecue and the terrible Chiefs play. Right. And uh, and then would wake up in the fourth quarter and be like, oh, yeah, we lost by 30 points to the Bills. Mm-hmm. How interesting. Um, and so it's still barbecue. It would probably be barbecue mixed with, um, you know, like... The, it would be mixing and matching from the different places. The, I'm not going to call it Casey Joe's. The Oklahoma Joe's fries. Um, my barbecue, my meat can be from a number of different places. I've grown to like Q39 a lot um, of late, but I may still just out of loyalty be Arthur Bryant's because I just like kind of the walls mm-hmm. of the place. Um, get some sauce from Gates. And uh, it would be kind of that mix and match. And then you, you know, you chase it down with a locally brewed beer. Um, and that's. That's probably my perfect KC meal. And then I fall asleep to, and this is real. This is how you can tell when you're an NFL fan. Uh, we still had blackouts, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember like those late season games actually got blacked out. Yeah. And I actually sat there and listened to Mitch and Lynn. And I was like, why do I care this much? And that's sports for you, man. Well, no, no, it definitely is. All right. What's your perfect Kansas City day? Perfect Kansas City day. Um, it's walking through the lawn at the Nelson in the fall. I mean, to me, there is nothing more beautiful. You're walking around, kind of looking. There are other people around you, but that's we've got a great art museum. We've got a great exterior to it, great kind of gardens around it, and that's probably my perfect day. All right. If uh, I, I love asking these questions because uh, you know everybody reads Wikipedia. There is something yeah. on Wikipedia, and I always like to ask people: Is this true or not? <laughs> On Wikipedia about you, it says, the New York Times says you take detailed notes on Kansas City teams' games. Is that true? I, I do, which is... Still. Uh, which is weird, man. It's, uh, I don't know. I think when I was younger, I, I dreamed of being a great sports writer. Uh, and then I, I think I saw where, where uh, journalism, at least in the print side, was going. And, and God bless everybody who does it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I still like to detail little weird things and get my own take about Chiefs games. It's why I'm one of the many on social media who are volunteering takes for no reason at all. And, you know, my, the mayor of whom I'm, I'm most jealous is Ed Rendell, who was mayor of Philadelphia yeah. and then governor of Pennsylvania, because he's a huge Eagles fan. And I think he had like a post game show. He um, did. That's what we did with Governor Parson last year. We had oh, him on every Monday. Yeah, we'd have him on. If you're elected mayor, you want to do a weekly spot I with us talking definitely. Chiefs? We're not talking politics. Yeah, my man. I, will we'll gar- just- I will talk no politics. We'll have no interest. You will have my take on everything that happened yeah. in my Coach Lucas world because uh, that's all I, I want. Like if you, if you will come in, not come in or on the phone, whatever yeah. it is, every Monday and consistent about it all season long. We're just talking football. We're not talking about schools or yeah. wh- whatever kind of nonsense you're involved in in the political world. <laughs> yeah. 
We're just talking football. If you're in, I'm in on I'm, that. I'm in on that, man. I'm okay. in on that, and then I'll even give you a little bonus for uh, college basketball season. Uh, I'll give you some thoughts and predictions on everything, too. We can do that as well. All right, here's the other one that you've got to answer, and <laughs> it's it's crazy, but it's yours. You still wanting to move the Chiefs games to St. No. Louis? For <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and Bob, yeah, I'll just put it this way. I had a very interesting fall with all types of drama and controversy. There was nothing more controversial and dramatic than that. I know. I mean, believe it or not. I mean, and I went through some stuff. Yeah. But like that was, I mean, calls to my office. You know, people were like, "Hey, bro, you take my team, I take your life." I, it was just. <laughs> we are a very passionate fan base. Um, you know, I'll say this. I. And I kind of think the reason Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were at the Blues game the other night wasn't just because they were, like, hanging out and said, hey, let's go to St. Louis. I mean, smart teams in this region, like the Blues, I think, are trying to be in connection with it, Sure, are understanding, look, there is a huge market nearby. Um, They've captured Kansas City. They really have. I right. mean, we're top five in ratings for the Stanley Cup Finals. Wow. See, I didn't even know that. It, it's unbelievable. Right. Everybody's watching. Right. I mean, and so I just think... And I have I've backed away. Regular season game, dumb idea. Regular season game, dumb idea. I don't know if you can sell out, uh, you know, a preseason game. I don't know where St. Louis and its journey for soccer is right now. Mm-hmm. But if they get a cool, I don't want them to play in the Edward Jones Dome because that that's place a, dump. Is a dump. That's a terrible yeah. place. But if they get a new little soccer stadium or something, I think hell, you can charge a lot for those tickets too. I agree. I think that's right. the wave of the future. I, I think what San Diego's doing out there yeah. in that LA soccer stadium, right. I think that's brilliant. You pack it with thirty thousand fans. Exactly. You don't need seventy-five thousand seat stadiums anymore. Right. You do that. I think that's the way to do it. I do think long term it's important to engage in, uh, with that market only because the the reason there are a few reasons i thought of that one i hate the nfl's international series call me bad i've been across, out of the country but that's one thing mm-hmm. the other is though when i was at washu i remember my particularly our particularly black wait staff at the campus eateries and all of that they loved the nfl right and they love to talk about you know oh man over her and all that sort of stuff it was it was awesome i want those folks to be able to enjoy football and i want them to be able to see it live every yeah day. I, and and I wouldn't have a problem sending a preseason game over there. In fact, I think yeah. you know one preseason game at home, one preseason game on the road, and everybody plays a neutral site preseason game every year. And you Makes rotate sense. it to markets that don't have it. And I'm not talking just St. Louis. I'm yeah. talking Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. I'm talking uh, like, you know Oklahoma City, uh, OKC, Norman, o- Oklahoma, right. places that have big time college, Iowa City. Yeah. You know places that have big time college atmospheres that don't get the NFL and you schedule, you know, one preseason game and have them just kind of rotate, right. you know, all over the place like that. That's how you expand the NFL. The the international stuff, I'm not a fan of either. I hate the London stuff. I hated the fact that the Chiefs gave up a game at home to right. go to London. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous and and I think that having these games in America because you know, we need to, we still need to grow the NFL and baseball in the United States. I don't think either of those sports are as healthy as they could be Absolutely. inside the United States to worry about what's going on outside the country. Right, right. Absolutely. And I mean, I think even if you look at European soccer every now and then, there are games that are played here, they sell out. I don't know if that actually expands their brand footprint. I think consistent, quality, exceptional play gets people to find all these things. When I was in Africa, right, people knew the NBA mm-hmm. because of the greatness of the 1990s. They didn't know the NBA just because there was a game play in Johannesburg or something. Right, sure. All right, how do you want your legacy to be written? You know, I want people to say after I'm gone, man, the city, he really cleaned things up. And I mean in the sense of it became safer, right? It became a place that uh, people wanted to stay and send their kids to school. You know, I uh, there are many ways I'm different than Rudy Giuliani. Lots, lots, mm-hmm. tons. 
one thing that I respect, I think, from his legacy, at least before he started you know, doing some other things, yeah. was they said, man, New York was a lot safer after his time was done. No question. 100% yeah. safer. Like, you, you could feel the difference in the city. And if you could accomplish that, that's a successful term as mayor. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with KC mayoral candidate Quentin Lucas. And as you can see by our conversation, the Kansas City native feels like he's ready to lead our city. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.